We hope you enjoy this message from Expression Church of Huntington. You know, about two or three weeks ago, um, Gary, Gary Culver had a, uh, a word, or actually, he wasn't sure if he was asleep or awake, so you don't know if it was a dream or a vision, but he was half asleep and slightly asleep. But when the Lord speaks to you, it doesn't really matter what you call it, as long as he just, you just know he speaks to you, right? So he had a, um, an encounter with the Lord or a visitation with the Lord, and the Lord said to him that he is um, going to reveal or begin to reveal, wanted to reveal face to face, reveal his face to us. You remember that? Just a few weeks back. And it was more to it than that, but that was basically the, the, uh, the gist that really it took, took me back. Well, it wasn't two or three days later, some prophetic people that are prophets on the national scene and they speak uh, at national levels and have been very accurate over the years past. We're talking people like Chuck Pierce, uh, Dutch Sheets, um, Cindy Jacobs. I don't know if you all know all those people or you probably know of those people, but they're, they're at that level um, speaking nationally. They are, are kind of, they watch the calendar pretty closely and they kind of look, go by the Jewish calendar some just to kind of see where the, 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 the church is and how the church kind of adapts to that. But, they, in September, the calendar changes in the Jewish world, I think it's September, and what he said is the last 10 years there's been a, you know, a lot of you know, contending for some things that, you know, for, the, for the kingdom of God, but it's moving into a place over this next season, beginning in September, he said, this prophetic word came from these guys that said that it's face-to-face, and it's gonna be a face-to-face thing with the Lord. And I talked to a couple of those people recently after that and what was coming to me from a, a guy that he's gonna be here in October actually and uh, a good friend of ours we've known for years and years. He was telling me that what they're saying, what they're seeing is that this next season for the church and for the body of Christ and really not just for the body of Christ, for the world is to, uh, it's gonna be more of a, an unveiling and a revealing of, of the face of Christ, which is the countenance of Christ, which is going to be something that's going to make us all feel and, and more knitted together that he's going to make things plain in this next season. Where we've contended for some things in the past, he's gonna make it plain for us. And uh, how many of you know, I like it plain. You like it plain? It's hard sometimes just to try to figure it out. And, um, but it's gonna become more plain. So when he says face to face, that means it's gonna be from opening to opening, from his opening to our opening, his countenance to our countenance. And I, I just wanna honor Gary for you know, receiving that. And then sometimes you get a word or you get a visitation or have something from the Lord, you don't really know what to do with it. And he knew that the body needed it. And we have an outlet here for those kind of things. And aren't you just thankful that what's being spoken at a national or an international level that we have people in the church here that are hearing those same words, right? And the reason I even gave honor to that is because the more honor you give, the more life you give to it, and the more we can draw from it, right? So sometimes we do some things behind the scenes, and so that was wonderful, that was great, and the church benefits, and the church doesn't even know. I want you to know there are things that happen in your life, particularly in your, your everyday living, that when the Lord does, and it's, that's why it's wonderful to give a testimony or give and share and help others discern what's being spoken and said and what's being done and happening and occurring in your life because the more voice you give to it, the more potency and power it c- comes with it, okay? So don't be afraid or timid. Get around people. If the Lord's saying something to you or sharing something with you or you're feeling some sort of impression, you know, <clears throat> if it's edifying for the body, I encourage you to get with some people that kind of you mentor or they mentor you and get together and discern what the Lord is saying. Make sense? Is that good? Reason being is because we want the life from it, okay? The last thing you want is to, f- to be in a body of the believers, a local assembly, and then have to only hear what national is saying and not knowing it's coming from here, right? Because the Lord works in his people and it should confirm some things inside of us, which Gary's word did. And now we're seeing national confirmation of something we felt internally. Amen? A couple of things I wanna mention though real quickly before I do, I'm gonna go to Isaiah 45, 18 here in just a second. Michelle, I just saw you back there too. It's good to have you with us today. 
Michelle is in human resources, correct, with Alcon. And they have lots of job openings. So she's gonna be here today and Wednesday for anybody that's looking for employment, um, knowing somebody that is looking for employment, or maybe you know somebody that needs to look for employment, but they won't look for employment. <laughs> Go ahead and look for them, all right? Tell them, say, look, the divine intervention of God happened for you today at church. He came and gave you a job and you weren't even looking for one, all right? So uh, Michelle will be in the, by the, the table in the hallway there at the end, the grand hall at the end. So uh, get with her. She's got business cards. She's gonna be here today and Wednesday. And you know, look, if we want people to progress and get better in life, right? They offer a good starting pay, starting package. If you're there a while, you can, uh, you know, really advance in the company and get some good benefits and provide for a family. We've got people here that have been there a long time that work right here, that are in some of our leadership positions. So um, I just wanna encourage you. Amen? And the other thing is, as the Lord is working in Africa and Kenya, we've got a, a young man that's gonna be coming. Stacy coaches basketball, and he is, his name's Joseph, and he's coming September 1st. <laughs> and he needs a home, a host home, right? How tall is he? 6'10", so bunk beds won't work. Okay? He's 6'10", and he's high-level talent that is supposedly, um, he's got all these papers, huh? He's gonna go to the NBA, right? We hope. We, <laughs> we hope. If he comes to my house, he's going to the NBA. That's what I'm telling you right now. I ain't putting no NAI. I'm just not doing it right now all the way from there. I got, there's, a lot, there's a lot of great talent in the local. If he's coming here from Nigeria, he's going to the NBA. Y'all believe that? He's going first round draft choice too, so I'm telling. Anyway, I'm just playing a little bit, but if you guys know of anybody or are that person, you want to host him for the, seat, for the school year, Stace? For the school year? Yeah. Okay. Most of his parents have passed. Oh, now we're going to get emotional here. <laughs> so wasn't good enough just to give the facts. Now we're going to get really into the deal. Yeah. Will you be available after church? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Josh ain't going to the NBA, is he? <laughs> Steve said, I'm going to kick Josh out and bring him in. Yeah. Josh, you can come live with me. Neither one of us going to the NBA, my friend. My days have passed. Isaiah 45, 18, let's go. I had LASIK surgery about 10 years ago, but would you all turn around and look at that screen real quick? That ain't happening for me. <laughs> that is not happening for me, all right? I gotta, I gotta come off the platform, go back and stand by Michelle and read that thing to you all. <clears throat> I could have been real spiritual and said, I just sense somebody needs to be a reader, the anointing of a reader in here today. <laughs> For thus saith the Lord, who created the heavens, who is God, who formed, look at this, who formed the earth and made it, who established it, who did it, who did not create it in vain, but who formed it, this is the key, he formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord, and there is no other. He formed the earth to be inhabited. We know he says that he inhabits the praises of Israel, of his people. He loves praise, he inhabits the praise. But the earth was created to be inhabited. That means life on earth, not death, life on earth. This goes back to the original intent of the heart of the Father. See, God is a, not a spirit, but God is spirit. And this is what's hard for some of us to swallow. Man, I've really struggled with this for a long time, but only the last few years have I come to grips with this, that God is spirit. If God doesn't have a place to manifest, then it's not substance or particle, or in particular. So for example, God is spirit, 
God chose of all of the planets, the galaxies, of all of existence that is his creation, God in the beginning created the heavens and the earth. And he chose earth for it to be an inhabited people and creatures, for it to be the manifestation of God as spirit. With it just being ethereal, with it just being esoterical, there is no substance. That's why faith is the substance of things hoped for, but the evidence of things that are not yet seen. So what has to happen is God says, in all of my creation of heavens, I've got one place in the Bible that says, in the word, that says, in earth, I need everything in heaven, in the spirit, to manifest in the earth. So healing is in the spirit, right? Peace is in the spirit, joy is in the spirit, but unless it manifests, and what I mean by manifest, unless it becomes existent and experienced and seen and tangible in the earth, it's not full. Here's how you know that. Because God is not just spirit, God is love. And love is not one way. So God's kingdom, God's heaven, God's essence is love. And love has to have a place for it to land. It has to be reciprocal. It has to be a place for it not only to land, land love demands a response. That's why you see in the world today, in the church world, God loves these people, God loves his people, God loves his people, that's true. But just because God loves his people, unless the people of God know how to receive God's love, there won't be transformation or change in people's life. Right? God, he chose earth to be inhabited. He chose earth, like I say it this way, for love to be made manifest. For God's essence of who he is, God's tender character and nature, which is love, he chose the earth for love to be shown, demonstrated, right? Y'all following me so far? This is very important because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. We know it in John 3, 16, right? But Jesus didn't pray for the world. He prayed for those that the Father had given him. He even said it. We're gonna read it here in just a minute. He said, I don't pray for the world. I'm praying for those that you, that you give me. Right? Love requires relationship. Love demands interaction. It demands intimacy. When I say intimacy, I'm talking about communication at a, at a higher degree, a higher level. Requires it, demands it. God loved so much that when he looked at the earth, it did not have a man to till the ground and to tend for it. Most people we've heard say, and I've even preached this myself, well, God knew what it was like to feel alone because he didn't have a man. God is omniscient, omnipresent. He, God is everything all, and he's fully complete in himself. Would you agree with that? Fully complete. God only wanted man on the earth because he needed an agent in the earth to be the agent of his love, to be the receiving of his love, because without a choice, there is no love. So you need a place, the earth. You need a person, Adam, right? And you need a choice, a will. Those three things that are evident there all create a platform and an atmosphere for God's love to be made manifest. I've preached it, I've heard it preached, I've heard it said that God needed somebody because he was alone. I'm not sure that I believe that if he's all complete in himself. Why did God put the garden 
where it is in the east side of the earth. He put the garden on the east side of Eden. And then what he did is he put those two trees, or put the tree of knowledge of good and evil in the midst of that garden. Why would he put that thing in the midst of the garden? Why wouldn't he put it somewhere else where it would be harder to get? Can you imagine getting up every day and you couldn't even go to Walmart without passing the tree that you're not supposed to eat and partake of? You couldn't, go, you couldn't go to Sheets or the Super Speedway to get gas without going past. Why wouldn't God put it over in the corner somewhere that would remove the temptation, right? Can I, got, can I, can I introduce something to you to think about that you may have heard before? I'm not so sure that God sent Jesus to die on a cross because Adam has sinned as a, as a, as a plan B or an alternative because man messed up. The cross wasn't plan B. Here we go. The cross was his original plan. Because there was no man on the earth that could fully receive and understand and represent the love of God but himself. So he embodied man so he could come and give a very clear representation of the Father's love to the world. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Not just the church. His kingdom is a kingdom of love. His kingdom is a king that, his kingdom that he's the king. And he needed a king here on the earth to manifest what already is in the heavenlies. When he put man in the garden, man was his representation, Adam. The problem was, now Adam didn't have anybody to show his love to. And only love demonstrated duplicates. You can't hold love in and expect it to spread. So God puts this tree in the middle of the garden. You don't think he knew they were gonna take that tree? So when Eve was beguiled, it says the, the woman was beguiled or, 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 or twisted by the devil. It didn't say the man was not. Adam was not deceived, Eve was. So when Eve partook of the fruit of the tree, believed the fruit of the lips of the enemy, when, he, when she did that, her countenance had fallen. She took on the image more of earth than she did of heaven. Her body and everything became a different form. When she goes to Adam, because she's the woman, she's the bride. When she goes to Adam, this is almost a Wednesday night teaching. When she goes to Adam, she gives him the fruit. She tells him what she had heard and experienced, and Adam had a choice to make. I say no, or I say yes. When Adam said yes, it wasn't because she deceived him, it was because the love that Adam had for Eve, because Eve now was bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. He finally, in his life, had felt the same love towards her that the father had felt towards him and he had felt towards the father. So when he partook of her fruit and believed her and ate of that fruit, it wasn't that he was deceived. He willingly participated in that fall 
so she could experience the love that he had for her. So much so when Adam hid and God came to him, he says, where are you, Adam? What have you done? And he looked back at him and he says, it was that woman that you gave me. Now we preach that like he blamed her. No, 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 he was looking at God. I don't think it was that way. I think he was looking at God going, you gave me a love for her that what other choice did I have? I wasn't gonna let her go down alone and the father saying to Adam back, you know what he's going through his mind, just like I'm not gonna let you go down alone. So now Adam, I'm not putting in my other plan, you're a part of the original one. The cross wasn't an afterthought because of Adam's sin. Adam wasn't that in control. God's still in control. So God says, Adam, now you can experience what I experienced. So when God looked at Adam and saw he didn't have a helpmate, what he's really saying in his heart was, Adam needs somebody like I've got somebody that he can show love to that comes out of him like he came out of me. So Eve comes over here and says, Adam, she didn't apologize. Adam willingly ate of the fruit of that tree because of his love towards her. 4,000 years later, on the cross, Jesus, the last Adam, willingly, when he said, not my will, but your will, he yielded and partook of the fruit and ate of the tree, the cross, because of his love for his bride, the church. So love and the circle of love was complete. But somewhere along the line, we've lost the message of the circle of love and the kingdom of love. And we've turned it into the gospel of Adam, which is the gospel of salvation, which is trying to get people to hurry up and get saved so they can come in and join our, our ship that is waiting for God to do something else so he can show us to pull us out of here to love us when God never intended for the earth to ever be not inhibited. If his church is pulled, oh God, hear me. Where is the love of God in the earth? And if his kingdom is a kingdom of love, do you think for one minute We've confused the church with the kingdom, thinking the kingdom is the church, and the church is the agent that holds the keys to the kingdom of love. We're trying to get people saved that are already saved to live holy, to try to re do right what Adam has done wrong, and all we gotta take from that lesson of Adam is the love he had for his bride. You can't even try to do what right Adam did, to, to do it right and do what he did without knowing the love of God that he had for her. Love is the impetus of everything that we do. It is your motivating factor for everything that comes from you. Not fear, not panic, not worry, not disgust, not anger, none of that is the motivation factor. What motivates us and makes us different is the kingdom of love, which is his kingdom on the earth. The world does not know what love is because they are fallen. Their eyes have been blinded by the God of this world. So when you look at the world's systems and you look at what's around us, we see all kinds of craziness that's happening in the world. We spend our time interceding and praying for the world when Jesus didn't pray for the world. He came to save the world by his crucifixion. And listen, I got news for you. Through the crucifixion, the world was saved. 
They just don't know it. Their foundations are out of whack. They're in darkness because they've been blinded by the God of this world. But the first veil that has to come off is not of the world. It's got to come off of the bride. So the groom comes 2,000 years ago to pull the, remove the veil off of the eyes of the bride. But we choose to still keep Moses' veil because we're waiting on something to take place that has already occurred. Out of his side was birthed the church and the bride and the woman. The father and the son consummated love in covenant. And you are the beneficiary of the covenant. But what has happened, because we're so far out of whack, I'm gonna go to Psalm 82 in just a minute, Psalm 82 in King James. I'm gonna read that whole passage of scripture. I'm gonna pass John chapter 17. But here's what's happened. We have made the church into preaching to dysfunction and giving one and two and three point, four points of how we can improve our lives, but still building on the wrong foundation. So what happens is we get further along, far, pretty far along and three or four, you know, great, great point. Great, great, so that's a great point. I need to incorporate that in my life. I need to keep incorporating that. But after about two or three incorporations of your points in your life, if it's off the wrong foundation, it's gonna fall anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So you can't maintain it or sustain it and three months, six months, two years go by and somebody hurts you, something happens in your life and you go, whoa, where did that come from? What, where, the bottom fell out of my life. We just start getting our whole foundation rocked. But if it's built on the foundation that God loves you and you were in him before the foundation of the world and it's his desire for for, for, for life to be inhabited in your life, then you have to know that all things work together for good because no matter what comes your way, it's not God's will for you to end bad. And no matter what kind of disappointment hits you, it still has to turn out for your good. No matter who turns on you, betrays you, talks about you, says something you shouldn't, and the things you may have done, even if you're Adam and Eve, started this whole thing. I got a bone to pick with him when we get to heaven. But you know what's gonna happen when we get there? He's probably next door neighbors to Judas. And you're gonna have to figure that out when you drive by his house. Whoa. There went a, I saw the cow go on the altar there. Yeah. We think we got it right. And we think we have all truth within ourselves. And I'm telling you, the Lord is revealing face to face in this season and he's gonna make it plain and simple. Let's go to Psalm 82, if you got it. <clears throat> are, you are you tracking with me here? Are you sure? Because you don't want me just to give you a couple of points of how to improve your marriage and how to improve your life. Those are important, we need them. But if that's all you do, go to Tony Robbins. I like Tony Robbins, I listen to Tony Robbins sometimes. Go to a motivational speaker. But you come here because you're part of the bride, you're part of the church that's supposed to get the keys into the kingdom. Not to just improve. You gotta walk in power because we're supposed to have the keys to power in the kingdom. We, we can't keep explaining away why things aren't happening in people's life and come away with a better top New York Times bestseller book that comes right out with great motivational speaking. We can put all kinds of technology and lights and smoke, but if we don't have the keys to the kingdom, we don't have power, we have nothing. And we've got to place a demand upon the power of God and the word of the Lord, right? This is not a Pentecostal thing, a Baptist thing, a charismatic thing, a Catholic thing, a Methodist thing. This is a kingdom thing. And it is built on a foundation of the love of God that is shed abroad in our heart because the church is called to be ministers of reconciliation. Reconciling what? Reconciling God to man through love. All people, not just the ones you agree with, not just the ones that you don't see their sin. All people. And they're blinded by the God of this world 
and they do not see the love coming from the church. Now listen, I'm not talking about the love that just gets sent. I'm talking about the love that we talked about at the beginning that requires and demands a place to land. If it's authentic love of God, it has to have a place to land. And if it has a place to land, it has power and potency and it has to require response. The fact is that we can't say that God just so loved the world and let them live any way they wanna live. God so loved the world, right? But even the Lord will say, Paul said to the church of Corinth, a man sleeping with his mother-in-law, he calls the, the people together, the leaders together, and he says, hey, you got a problem here. The guy says, well, they say, what are you talking about? He goes, the guy's sleeping with his mother-in-law. And, the, and Paul says, kick him out of the, ch- listen, kick him out of the church so that Satan can eat his flesh so his soul will be saved. Amen. Right? Now you can do that if you're Paul because you're coming from an authentic place of love. Today, it's just called church discipline, correcting behavior. That's a bunch of garbage. That hurts people. It sets them down and has no rest of the restoration process. It sets them down and there's no coming. It is just a matter of you're making us all look bad and you're looking bad. You can't do that. It has nothing to do. We don't even know what motivates people to do bad or do right because we're not in relationship and love requires relationship. I'm so tired. of I, mean, I was a part of something one time. Some, someone she didn't even make a bad decision. It just wasn't a healthy decision. It wasn't one we would make. And because we were so concerned about all the other people, what they would think, you sit a person down. Remove, think about it, remove them away from a place where God can have an encounter with them because you're gonna correct them. No, we just put them in correctional facility. That's all we, we put them in jail. Like Facebook jail, some of you belong there. I've seen some of your posts. <laughs> I thought I'd get that one in and come right back out. Right? Are you kidding? You see what I'm saying? I mean, come on. Wait, that is the, that's a bunch of garbage. That is not bringing health to people. Because we don't know who we are. Oh my gosh, this is gonna be so good. If you guys could stay with this course with me until we get into this fall and September when I can, this is just all foundational stuff. But when I get into this thing where we're talking about worship, we're talking about every aspect of life, we're talking about God and who he is, Christ in you, the hope of glory, those are just not songs and words and scriptures to get us going hallelujah. Those are realities. Those are moments to live by. This thing is gonna become simple again. We're gonna break it down to where you can live this thing and not be looking over here going, oh, I just, you know, that's three steps to that. No, 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 no. You're gonna know him and the power of his resurrection, right? It's imperative if we don't do this and get this right and pursue truth, we're gonna, people are gonna die before their time. And it's gonna be on us because we think we're, we're, we're having some keys that we're carrying around, we haven't unlocked the doors. Watch this, God, I wasn't going here, but I'm going here, God, Elohim stands, I feel like I'm in a school ministry class right now. God, if you don't don't ever been there, you need to go. God stands in the congregation of the mighty. He judges amongst among the, the gods. Here's what he's saying. Now, who is the congregation of the mighty? We, us, God, Elohim, the king of the kingdom, the one in the spirit realm, the one that stands from heaven, that called earth to be inhabited. God stands in the spirit because he is spirit. He stands and talks, and when I say he stands, that means he is an attention and an authority. He stands in the midst of the church. The mighties in the earth. That's us. So he's standing in our midst, not just in this local assembly, but his entire church. He asked the question to the church, to the mighties, how long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked, selah, stuff like that. You know what we hear when we hear that because we're coming from a, because earth has been such a death message and not a life message. You know what we hear when we hear, how long are you gonna judge unjustly? How long are you gonna show partiality to the wicked? What we hear coming from a death perspective, the death gospel, what we hear is we're just letting anything go. You just, look at those people, they're just doing anything they wanna do. 
Look at them. They're saying, we need to hear from life. We need to judge death, judge sickness, and free people. Instead of judging people and freeing death. God came to Adam in the midst of his transgression and says, where are you? Everything Adam was coming to him is death. Jesus took death upon the cross. If death had its final say through Christ and Christ had its final say through death, then Christ is standing in the congregation of the, the mighty. And death has no sting and the grave has no victory. If that is truth, then we cannot be judging people. We need to be judging the spirit behind the people. Because why? They're walking around the earth blinded by the God of this world. Because if you think for one minute, he says he stands in the congregation of the mighty, judging amongst the gods. We are the little G's, the, L -O, the a little guys. We're the king of, he's the king and we're the, of, the, of the kings, right? The Lord of the lords. Who is going to do it on the earth if it's not gonna be us. It's his church. Upon this rock, I will build my church. The rock of the revelation of who I am, Peter. Because Peter just got through saying, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus looks back at him and says, upon this rock of revelation that I just said to you, you just said, Peter, that did not come from man, it came from the Father. It came by the Spirit that revealing, that understanding, that epiphany, that understanding that you just got, I will build a church. That church is not the kingdom. It's the agent in the inhabited earth. I will build my church, verse later, and I will give you the keys to the kingdom. Who? The church. The church is not the kingdom. The kingdom is the keys of the spirit of heaven that gets unlocked by revelation of who Christ is on the earth. How long will you judge unjust? How, how long are you gonna judge people and quit going after the spirit? Go to the next verse. Woo, here's the, defend the people. You ever find yourself in this? I do it. Somebody can be dead wrong crazy wrong, and two or three people go after that person, I find myself defending the person that's wrong, going after the people that are judging them. You all like that? Oh, well, maybe not. Find that scripture on self-righteousness. No, I'm just kidding. You see what I'm talking about? I do, I find myself defending the person over here, and I'm going, I don't even agree with what they did but I sure don't like the attitude of what you're coming at him. And something makes me want to get in and guard. But look at Jesus. He's right in the dirt. The girl's caught in adultery. They're ready to kill her. Jesus says, I don't condemn you either. I'm going, that is not even Bible, Jesus. That does not even work. He wouldn't even fit in most churches today with that. He just lets anything go. No, when she had an encounter with grace, when she had an encounter with mercy, she had an encounter with reciprocal love. When she did, he didn't have to say, you better not sin anymore. He went, go ahead, you're free not to sin anymore. And something changed in her, why? Because love, oh God, when you get baptized in the love of God, it changes your perspective for people. I get criticized around here sometimes by some people. I'm not gonna look at them right now, but they're in here. I get criticized because I'm long suffering with certain people. And, and, and I will, I'll give, I'll give them a million chances. A million, and they'll, they'll, they'll do me in every time, but I'll go a million and one. And I got people, why do you spend so much time doing that? I don't know, I really don't, other than the fact that something draws me to them that I love them. I can't figure it out. Now, I might smack them in the face while I love them, <laughs> right? I might get them in a headlock, take them to the ground, but I love them, I'm not gonna give up on them. Man, I've pulled them out of crack houses before I preached, you all didn't even know it. We were at 18th Street. Got a call 
was at a crack house. I called Ronnie and Steph up and I said, one of you got to preach in the next 10 minutes. They said, why? I said, I'm going to a crack house. <laughs> True story. That's just what it was. And I go pulling in the front of a crack house. I mean, it was undercover DEA agents everywhere. I didn't, th- I didn't use wisdom. I used passion. I don't know if that was a wise thing or not. But I walked right up to the house, pulled the guy out of the house, got him, put him in my car, took him home, threw him in the shower, loved him, cared for him. Had him preaching at another church the next Sunday. What? What? It was already on the calendar. You think God... It's been four years, preaches every week. Clean as a pen. Humble as a man can be. Helping people left and right. Right? And I still get him in a headlock. I still pop him in the mouth every now and then, tell him how I'm proud of you, stupid. Because he still does some stupid stuff. But I tell you one thing, he knows God's love, he knows how to give God's love, and he's walking straight and arrow right now. Right? Now why do I tell you that? Because you don't give up on people. God never gave up on you. It took him 4,000 years to get to us. That's a long time. I can't figure out why he just didn't come right after Adam. All these, would have been, everything would have been spared. Adam, just scoot over. I'll take your place. He could have done that. In, in the book of Genesis, we had to go through 66 books to read this thing. And 4,000 years before he actually came. Wouldn't it have been so much easier if he had just done it right away? He's long-suffering. That's his nature. Defend the people that are poor and fatherless. Fatherless means they don't know him as father. They're orphans. Do justice to the afflicted and the needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Free them from, from the hand. See, the wicked are not the people. The wicked is the enemy. The people are in bondage. Next verse, please. They do, listen, here it is. They do not know, nor do they understand. They walk about in ignorance, darkness, because the God of this world has blinded their eyes to be able to see. All the foundations of what? The inhabited earth are unstable. I said you are the mighty, that's what that means, little L, Elohim, little L's. You are the mighty, you're the church, and all of you are the children of the Most High. But you lay down like Adam's. You fall like one of the princesses. You don't even know who you are. You identify more with the death and the fall than you do with the life and the resurrection. Arise, because I'm standing up, I want you to stand up too. Oh God, judge the earth, for you shall inherit all nations. The world has fallen apart because we're trying to get people saved from sin. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not making, I'm not minimizing that. But our job as a church is to, and leaders of the church and you as a body of, is to equip the ministry for the work, for equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And the work of the ministry is that. It is to leave your seats, engage in life, Know who you are, that you are a representation and a reconciler of the kingdom of love, which is God's kingdom. You were in him before the foundation of the world. But until he came 2,000 years ago, the word was not made flesh. So unless you, by your Holy Spirit, that's living inside of you in your born again experience, unless you, manifest his glory and the word that's in you by spirit, because in the beginning was the word, the word was with God in John chapter one. Jesus didn't just manifest 2,000 years ago. He did to us in the earth, but the word was in God before the foundation of the world from the very beginning, because he is the word, right? 
But 2,000 years ago, he made it known. The word in you has got to become made flesh. And it's not gonna happen until we get an understanding of the gospel of the kingdom, which is what I'm pressing around today. And it's not gonna happen until we are really truly baptized in love. And I'm not talking about, I'm talking about a love that reciprocates and demands a place for it to land. It has to land. I'm all for paying it forward at McDonald's and restaurants. I'm all for it. That's a good gesture, right? It is, those are great things. But let me encourage you to do it to the people. And I'm not talking about paying it forward. I'm talking about the people around you. They're in your life. They don't hear what I say. They're not listening to me. They get worse and worse the more I even talk to them. If you will take your different posture in your prayer, you'll start seeing some things change. What I mean from that is, you're not praying from death in the earth. You're praying from life, from the spirit. How, does that, how do I do that practically? You gotta get an understanding and a knowing that that person doesn't have a chance to escape what you're about ready to pray over them. Your confidence level has to come up to a level that, oh, if you only knew what I'm about to do for you. Not God save them, God turn them around. No, call their name out. Johnny, the drugs have to stop, even though you're not even talking to them, you're just declaring it. I declare life over you. I declare you to come to a place of repentance. I declare you to fulfill the call. Johnny, return back to your revelation and knowing of who you were in God before the word was even formed. Johnny, walk in the revelation and the calling of who God created you before you were even formed, where you were formed in the mother's womb. And you begin to declare you begin to decree, you begin to establish authority, you begin to stand in the congregation and freeing those that are blinded and are, are in disobedience. When we begin to stand up and begin to declare every, I loose Johnny of sin, I loose Johnny of addiction, I loose Johnny of ignorance, of blindness. I declare Johnny's eyes to be open. Somebody just said, well, we've done all that. It didn't work. Death. Doubt. Because my Bible says, if I ask anything according to his will, anything. Would you stand with me? different here real quickly. If you all just bear with me before we close. As I'm accustomed to, and we'll probably do again, is we would, we would ask if anybody's never been saved or with their heads bowed and eyes closed, nobody's looking around. You, you know, your sin's forgiven, all, all of that, and, and nothing wrong with that at all. It's, it's, it's the first step to come in. Oh, but I, I'm gonna do something different. I'm gonna ask with heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm gonna ask. If you know your heart was pricked today or your heart was beating a little fast and you felt a little bit of a butterfly and you feel like that you're living in darkness, I'm not talking about 
doing stuff that we would call flesh, sins of the flesh. I'm talking about there are just blind spots and ignorance that you just don't know. And you feel it. And you come up empty. And the more you, harder you try, the harder it seems it is. And if you make a couple of steps forward, you feel like you're making three or four steps backwards. No one's looking around. I'm gonna pray that your eyes be open. I wanna pray two prayers. I wanna pray that your eyes be open from the blindness. And I wanna pray your ears be open to hear. And I wanna pray your ears be deaf, fall deaf to the voice of the enemy. No one's looking around. Just slip your hand up and I'll know who I'm praying for. I see your hands. Father, in Jesus' name, in the authority of the kingdom of your son, I command the eyes of the blind to be open, that earthly eyes will spiritually discern heavenly vision. And I pray, Lord, that the ears will be unstopped and will be open and hear the voice of their creator. And I command their ears to fall deaf they will not be able to hear the voice of the enemy. He will be mute to their ears. And an alarming, loud, clarion, trumpeted voice from their creator will be all they hear. Now, as they walk out of here today and their steps are ordered by you, Lord, I said so much today that there's no way that all of this can be digested in one setting. But I'm asking, Lord, that you just give them little moments as they walk out of here in their life. Give them moments that you speak to them. And Lord, don't let them miss the moment. Make it practical. God, you created them. You know how they communicate, how they hear and how they don't hear. You know, Lord, they're oblivious to some things, but other things they get. So the language of which they communicate to you, I'm asking you to communicate back to them. Let them get it. Let the eyes of the blind be open and the ears of the deaf to hear that we might be agents of the kingdom of love and accurately represent your original plan. And that was for the earth to be the reflection and representation, the completion, the fulfillment, the receiving and back to you of the baptism of your love in Jesus' name. And everybody shouted amen.